Welcome to the Art of Game Mastery, guys, guys and gals. Uh, I'm John. This is Jack. We're your hosts, and we're going to be talking about deities again today. We already kind of did a um, part one of this. Uh, I think is our first video or our first Twitch stream. I think, right, Jack? That's right. Our first, and, first stream. Yeah, Last and I uh, made the dummy mm -hmm. mistake of not forgetting to record it, so we never got a chance to upload it to YouTube because we also had Twitch. Recordings turned off for whatever reason that's off by default, which sucks. Um, but it's on now, and we are recording now, so we'll have this one at least. Um, while we're talking about John fucking up, uh, I have to apologize for last week. Um, we did get a recording and everything, but uh, the quality was a bit lower because we had to rely on the Twitch recording because, again, I forgot to hit the record button locally on my machine. And also, I had the wrong audio stream enabled for Jack, so his audio is super muffled and low. Um, I did the best I can in post-processing, but it was tough to get anything good out of it, so um, what's on YouTube is listenable, but it's not the best, so I apologize for that. Um, going forward, we'll, we'll try not to make that mistake again. Um, so yeah, Jack, uh, what, what deity did you want to start with? Did you want to start with one of yours or one of mine, or how do you want to do this? I no preference. I can start this off if you want. Yeah, go for it. Pick, pick your favorite one and I'll uh, pop it up in the background. Let's start off with Abadar. Abadar? That's, uh, That's good. If I can... So not, uh, that's unfortunate. It's the first one, alphabetically speaking, on the list. So it's the first one to cover. I yeah, just the... the uh... The browser's not showing up for some reason on the screen. Hold up a second. Let me do this. Let me just delete this guy. And for all the we want. So I guess I'll get yeah, it. Yeah, go uh, ahead and get started. Yeah. I'll get it up when um. Angle the props. So Abadar is called Master of the First Vault. It's known for being lawful neutral, uh, true lawful. So followers can be one step from that uh, neutral law which would be like lawful good or lawful evil. He looks like a normal person to whoever views upon him. That's kind of typical with mortals, though uh, the caveats to that is usually shown in golden armor holding keys. Keys is like his symbol. Uh, he also has a second form, which is a two-headed eagle, supposed to show he's kind of like indifferent or very neutral, whether it be politics or law. Uh, it's great for a GM to sneak into your campaign if you uh, have a follower of Abadar and you want to kind of hint at them. And should they gain favor with Abadar, he gives out wealth and uh, it's meant to help grow the economy. So nothing wrong with giving a boon uh, in his opinion. He is worshiped by lawmakers, merchants, judges, other neutral clerks, dwarves who are crafters as well as architects worships him as well. Uh, in, addition, in addition to Torag, uh, he's also get some credit for the demi-humans in joining society. I uh, found that information on the uh, Kingsmaker. So, huh. If you're trying to add that to your campaign, a little bit of extra non-canon history to go in there. So for those of uh, mixed origin, Abadar might be right for you. His order is bringing wealth to nations, so churches uh, double as a vault, kind of like for bankers to hoard their coins and materials. They use these funds to grow villages and span travel and trade, though the clergy do not give out donations. They're expected to tithe, 
and their beliefs are really not bound by government. It looks like we got that prop up, which is good news. So uh, they like strong, independent people who pursue their own wealth and uh, growth. So the realm that he comes from would be Axis, if you want to visit him. That's the lawful plane. Uh, for 5th edition people, that would be called Mechanus. Mechanus? Very similar with the plane since they you know, originate from 3.5. So yeah. he is uh, yeah. directly opposed to the beast. He used to fight against uh, Ravagug. We'll have to cover him eventually. He's kind of like the antagonist of the gods. And he created a key that could lock him away. That's uh, Ravagug, the beast, who was trying to destroy all of Galarian. You know, typical deity thing. He could have fought alongside... I had Old Eye, Aristotle, who I covered previously, the god of family, but they kind of differ in viewpoints, whereas Aristotle wants farmland and family. Avdar is more about the individual law and society, but they're very, very similar. So, on his home, on Axis, there's Archons, Axiomites, Inevitables, all the cogwork mechanisms. This is why crafters also worship him as well. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of a, a merchant, a merchant god, like a god that merchants and crafters and such worship not because they want a boon in crafting but because they want a boon in selling their wares i think that's a really cool thing that i don't recall there being something i don't recall 5e or the forgotten realms or whatever having anything like that correct me if i'm wrong chat um but i don't think there's a well-known like merchant god like there is in uh, the inner sea region in galarian um, but i know in my homebrew world uh there is a merchant god, and he is very much, uh, I guess, intervening with uh, the general population. He's not like a god that sits back and, um, you know, lets fate do its work. He's very much someone who you pray to him, he's going to help you out kind of deal. So I'm wondering if this particular merchant god is the same way. Is he is he one that um, kind of... His, uh, his purse is kind of like, they worship civilization and commerce. So like, uh, does he directly intervene with their lives and like help them out if they, you know, pay the respects and you know that's, live by their edicts? Uh, yeah, that's how he works. Sweet. He's all about building up society. So even the uh, impoverished uh, still pray to him for his boon. Yeah, because I mean, you, you know me, I have unpopular opinions in regard to uh, things like capitalism, and. Um, I think this is a really cool thing because it adds a very new dynamic to like, it's not so much anymore how much you can, uh, or how well you are at business. It could also be how faithful you are to your gods that could help you out in, in business, right? So it adds a whole new like power dynamic that um, to, to merchantile work that could really change things up. And I think that while it's, I think it'd be kind of hard to add something like this to a campaign, um, I think that it really does a good job at lending like a living, breathing world to your players. And like, there's a lot of things that NPCs could be working on in the background that could benefit from this god. I don't, I don't know how much a player would benefit from this god so much um, from a lore standpoint. Obviously, from a mechanical standpoint, he's got some some awesome stuff. Especially if you're going for a more intrigue-like game or a game where um, you're like going to be a lot of uh, infiltrating like balls and. Um, other, what? okay. Pedro was say, saying that uh, your video was messed up, but I didn't notice that too. But it's, it's good now. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna have a a campaign where a lot of society checks are gonna be made, this guy's 
going to be super useful, um, especially if, if uh, a lot of uh, merchants and wealth is going to be involved in that campaign as well. So. Right. So um, he does provide quite a bit of lore, and I think too often as GMs when we're making a city, we tend to make, you know, it's just easier to make a city one deity, and that's like the main ensemble. Mm -hmm. I think with Galerion, it's pretty obvious that um, there are multiple gods, and it's a little bit more pagan, and that their mindset of how they build their societies. So the banks kind of are like doubling as churches. So in a metropolitan, that would kind of make more sense, uh, especially considering that their whole spiel is to help fund other uh, cities because they're trying to bring civilization to the wilds. Right. So if you're running a campaign where you're designing a city, mixing in a couple of extra gods in there can kind of help balance out a city. Yeah, when I, I mean, when I'm world building, I, I try not to think of what what god does the city worship or what gods does the city worship. Um, mm -hmm. I tend to think more of what uh, what people are going to worship this god or that god. And uh, I mean, Galarian and other fantasy RPGs are typically polytheistic in, in their design because we have classes like clerics and paladins and whatnot. But um, leaning on that, I mean, in, in a real polytheistic society, people are going to be worshiping multiple gods and they're going to be multiple gods. Like, pretty much every god is going to be worshipped somewhere in a major metropolitan city. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're, you know, world building or GMA campaign, yeah, I mean, try to think of, in any given scenario, try to think of who each individual character would worship and why, and not so much he worships this god because he's in this city kind of deal, or in this area, um, or he's of this race, or she, or whatever, you know. Um, every so, NPC should have its own desires and background and, um, you know, religious views, mm -hmm. so. So back to the crunch, let me break down some of these uh, sure. stats. Abdar's constitution intelligence for, for a cleric. Makes sense. Um, you can do farm or heal. I find that interesting because they're totally neutral. You get that skill sex society, which we talked about. Favorite weapon is a crossbow? I don't know, man. Crossbow? It's, uh, it doesn't have propulsive like a sling does, so I wouldn't recommend taking crossbow unless you're taking deadly simplicity. If you're building a... Um, War priest, you already have access to the heavy crossbow because you would have martial weapons. So, crossbow cleric, not necessarily beneficial from a mechanic standpoint. Domains, it's got quite a few to choose from: city, earth, travel, wealth, and duty. Uh, I looked at the starting domain spell that you would get if you choose to be a cloister cleric. Uh, city, kind of lackluster with face in the crowd. Uh, earth domain has a one action spell attack, which is great for a bonus action. Travel probably has my favorite listed on there. That uh, spell that goes with the, the domain for travel is just uh, <laughs> getting getting to stride and step with a spell, very useful. Uh, wealth, it's another fascination, crowd control ability. Uh, duty is so useless, I don't even want to cover it. <laughs> <coughs> So the reason why we're covering the deities in addition to all this is that it can be overwhelming to choose what deity you want, considering that clerics have access to divine spells, yeah. and that's it. You know all of them. 
Now, when you choose the deity, that greatly affects what spells you're going to know that are going to be outside of that tradition. And so if you choose Avadar, like level one, you start off with a Luthery object. It's a level one spell. It's normally arcane or occult. Um, it's basically like a 3.5 silent image. Same thing as you get up to level four and um, I think it's seven. You get creation and magnificent mansion. You should already have a spell to deal with um, what magnificent mansion does by this level. So for organic growth, it, I can't see anybody being excited to get this spell. But if you are making a higher level game, this might be for you. And uh, if you're trying to add Avatar into your game, there are some good books that uh, the wiki has information for. Um, some of those are the Order of Numbers and Market's Door. Remember we were saying he's a commerce god. So Market's Door would be great for adding that commerce to your game. Uh, and maybe you want to throw in those texts into your campaign. Right, that covers the Avatar. John, you want to take it off? Yeah, one second. I'm replying to uh, Palos. Um, I'll just reply to him in, in words since it's here, but um, he asked, is, is it the city or the people in the city? And I think he's asking that in relation to the domain. Um, and the way I understand it is it's the city and everything that the city includes, which includes the people. Um, it's, it's basically civilization, the way I understand it, and society. I would definitely read that civilization. Um, that's the difference between a druid and a cleric in this path. Like, for a cleric of Aristil, they want to be out in the wilds. Um, they want to be more na nature-oriented, whereas Avadar is more civilization-based, and to that wealth and commerce, something that old Deadeye of Aristil is going to be, you know, they want to, to trade. They don't really want coins. They want to hunt and use up everything as part of a natural cycle. Right. Um, so the first god I'm going to be covering is... Uh now actually after looking more into her probably one of my favorite deities in the inner sea region that's uh phrasma um phrasma is the arbiter of souls in the galarian setting and essentially you can think of phrasma as if you look at it in terms of like Christi christianity um phrasma is kind of like god i guess in, in christian beliefs where um you know, he's standing at the pearly white gates and he's judging judging people come by saying, are you going to heaven and hell? She's kind of the same deal, except there's more definition or more destinations in heaven and hell in this case. Um, and the angels in Christianity would be more akin to her followers, which are psychopunks. And I think that since the, um, the advent of, I think it was the, uh, what book was it that came out recently with all of the, um, all of the new ancestries. The, was the Lost Omens Ancestry God? I think that was it. But it, it had the Psychopomp heritage uh, and a bunch of different ones relating to Psychopomps. And I think that those were all really freaking cool. And I think that that's kind of put this particular deity on the radar a bit more. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a cold, so my voice is kind of screwed up. Um, so it's interesting to me that she actually resides in a um, giant gothic castle in essentially the void but she's like sitting in the center of the the multiverse which is a really cool concept um, and she kind of just waits on her her iron throne I guess you could say and 
she's constantly looking back and forth in time and observing every soul's life, birth, death, everything to, to make her decisions. Mm -hmm. But she holds off on her decision until they are at her front door, basically. Um, she doesn't try to let anything influence her until everything, all the data's in and she has everything she needs to know and they're right there before her. Then she makes her final decision. And the psychopaths, like the, the angels, was that? Did you want to add the graphic? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. For Asma. The angel or the psychopomps are like the angels are the ones who are guiding the souls to to her, you know, to the pearly white gates. So in this case, the gates are, you know, dreary and black and not not a uh, pearly at all. But um, I kind of I like the idea <clears throat> that Paizo had an interesting approach to this. So oftentimes in fantasy settings you have a a god of death and you know birth or whatever and then you have a separate god of time um mm. paizo recognized so actually i guess you should step back and say that this has a very specific meaning to me because i do have a background in mortuary uh, my family has a funeral home and uh, all that jazz so um i found this particularly interesting that paizo recognized that time life and death are all correlated and you know interconnected so phrasma is actually a uh, her domains include all three of those they include death and fate and time and all that stuff um, which i think was a really really smart play on their part because it allows you to really get a feel for what it means to live and die and <clears throat> how how being judged can change over time based on your decisions throughout your entire life. Um, so I think they did an excellent job with this, this god, even if it is kind of snatched from other religions. Like you got, you know, the whole premise is Christianity, whereas the psychopomps come almost verbatim from Greek mythology. So, I mean, they did kind of steal quite a bit for this one, but I think they did a good job of connecting everything. Um, I think that as a cleric, this is probably one of the easiest uh, gods or deities, I suppose I should say, to um, to, to play and, and practice. Because um, like your divine ability is constitution or wisdom. Both of those are super beneficial to clerics. You're going to be taking them anyway, likely. Um, your divine font is heal. You're probably going to be a healer if you're a cleric. Uh, divine skill is medicine. You're probably going to already have trained or above in medicine if you're a cleric. Um, favored weapon weapon is dagger, which I find weird. I don't know. Like, I guess they just needed a weapon, and they kind of took the idea that hey, you know, this this person's super gothic and emo, and I don't know, we can make it roguey and play a dagger. Um, though it does, well, we'll get there later. Um, yeah, a dagger seems really seems really weird choice to me, um, especially because I don't know how many clerics I'm using a dagger though. Two dagger wielding rogue cleric could be kind of cool, I guess. Um, let's see, domains. What did we say about uh, roles where we were talking about uh, the Naruto healer? Oh, what's her name? Um, um, Sakura. Sakura. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that. does remind me of that. Yeah, I mean, she definitely in the anime and the manga typically use kunais as her weapons so that kind of fits the bill there um 
I see I see this a cleric in Phrasma to be more of a a combat medic than a straight up healer, I guess I should say, because once you look at her cleric spells, they're a lot more supporty than they are like uh, um, straight up healing and dealing with disease and stuff like that. So actually her cleric spells are freaking awesome. You get Mind Link, Ghostly Weapon, and Phantasmal Killer, all of which are really cool spells. And like seeing, seeing these mechanics of this particular deity, it makes me really want to build a, a cleric uh, of Phrasma. Because I think you can have so much fun with it, both in and out of combat. Um, her domains are, like I mentioned, death, fate, healing is one of her domains, kind of taking on the Christianity thing again, you know. The God and Jesus were, you know, miraculous healers and whatnot. Um, knowledge, which I, which I thought was interesting. Uh, this one doesn't really come up much in her lore, but it, it makes sense that someone who's presiding over everyone's history, basically, would have a vast array of knowledge. Um, her ultimate domains are also really cool, soul, time, and vigil. Um, soul especially, I find really intriguing. Uh, I know in our Tagaseya game, I'm playing a, a rogue who uh, stumbled upon a soul, I think we call it a soul, soul carving dagger, I believe is what you named it. Um, and it's mm. able to extract souls uh, from things that you, you slay with it and store them in some kind of receptacle. Um, very much uh, Elder a la Elder Scrolls, which is really, really fun in combat. I mean, in, in play. Um, and I'm having a blast with it. So. Though it, <laughs> we did run into a bit of a uh, finagle last time where my alignment started to come into question after I you know, used a large portion of the souls that I'd collected to heal myself. <laughs> but um, that's part of the fun for me. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think Phrasma would be a really fun and unorthodox deity to pick for a cleric. Um, she is a good, or sorry, a neutral focused uh, deity. So, you know, neutral good, lawful neutral, or neutral are her follower alignments. So playing her as like a paladin isn't really viable, I don't think, because, I mean, you want it to be lawful good to be a paladin. Um, maybe one of the other champion uh, archetypes you could you could choose with it, um, but yeah, I think that this is probably one of my favorite deities to date, and I actually can't wait to play a cleric of Phrasma now. It looks like I changed you. You went from not wanting to play a cleric to totally want to play. A cleric. I didn't want to play a cleric until I read this. <laughs> so all about the spell casting. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know these. These spells that you get very much remind me of like uh, the Shadow Sorcerer Bloodline, that kind of that kind of uh, direction or, or theme to it. Um, so I, I dig it. Like I, I wouldn't normally play a sorcerer either, but with you know with Neil, I took a sorcerer archetype and took the shadow. Because uh, sorcerers were kind of useless. Yeah, but you know it's been fun. I've been enjoying. I've been coming to terms with magic more and more as a player. Um, so. I think I'll probably explore it more and more. I've always been more of a martial person, but yeah. I think the next uh, one you want to touch on was how how'd you say you pronounced it? You had a uh, actual like uh, Calistria, right? Yeah. Calistria. There's a there's an L I S S in there, so Calistria. There's a should be like a double syllable in that S for yeah. some reason. I mean, and I like this one. I was, 
because it ties in a bit to one of the previous favorite gods of uh, mine. So I, I feel like you should have put another synonym for take to, if they're gonna write it out as I mean I'll I'll put in the pronunciation from the uh, chat when you bring up the graphic. It should be up by now. Looks good. So it says it's pronounced Luis. Like, see that double L, uh, double S after the LIS right there? Mm -hmm. You would think that that would have that stressed syllable, but I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Anyways, very similar to the Urgothoa, uh, who I covered last time, which is really strange that I picked two deities and they're like, pick like their mirror copies <laughs> of them, because Abadar and Aristil are very similar, just different sides of the civilization coin. I guess you could say Calistria is very different from Urgothoa, but they're also almost alike. She's a goddess with several faces and disguises. Uh, most importantly, she is the epitome of lust and revenge. Those are her major uh, areas. She takes the form of an elf lady, beautiful. Uh, she goes by the title of Savored Sting. I'll go into that more because Savored Sting is more than just her title. Her colors are yellow, like that of a stinging wasp. She dressed vocally with a life form, and she is the embodiment of chaos. It's uh, uh it's sad that we lost the chaos oh. tags. I really find stuff in the previous editions. We're losing your video and possibly your audio, Jack. Figures. Hold on a second. I think we still got audio though, so you can keep going for now. Not holding it there. Okay. Let me know if I drop. You're back, I think. Let's see here. Right, so... Yeah, I think you should be uh, good now. If you're making an elf, you might worship her. Those uh, who are free of spirit or fickle would follow Calistria. She's known for her burning desire, uh, both her primal urges to, you know, cause you harm, and uh, also those other burning urges. <laughs> She's neither good nor evil. However, she does, uh, she does like, long plots to get her revenge, which I found kind of misleading because that goes against some of her her anthema her anthemas uh her followers would probably be chaotic uh she is chaotic neutral so anybody could be a one step away chaotic evil or chaotic good although i uh, just I, I really don't see how a character could be chaotic good and then focus on revenge and lust so if anyone's got any ideas of how to be chaotic good and yet focus on revenge and lust please let me know for a good cause her beauty is well known, and uh, even Caden, whom you covered last time, John, uh, the accidental god, yeah. rose to immortality uh, by chasing after her. He was unable to resist her lure and failed at gaining her attention, and that's why he uh, went after the Starstone. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Well, he went. He went through the trial of the stars. But the trial of the stars. Yes. He did that because he was trying to get with uh, Calistria. According yeah, to her I, backstory. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because <laughs> the research That's I've done story. on him said it was a drunken bet, but who knows? Maybe it was after her. I don't know. That's uh, that's her her side at least. Yeah. At least her lore says. I noticed the stories were like, hmm, this is a case of what he said, what she said. Yeah. 
Well, besides her uh, her chests, she is well known for causing pain. She's vindictive, full of contradictions and secrets. Uh, so this that does not sound chaotic good at all. <laughs> I just don't understand how you can be chaotic good, uh, especially considering she's so similar to Ergothoa, who is just so evil. Um, they feud about they would have like the same worshippers who would worship lust, but Ergothoa is more about physical excess, whereas she is just focused on revenge and trickery. So her edicts include pursue personal freedom, seek your hedonistic thrills, take revenge, but anathema is don't become consumed by love, or your need for revenge. Also another thing that you cannot do uh, is I get, let a slight go unanswered. I get like major Aphrodite vibes from this chick, or maybe, what was the... Aphrodite's was it Agamemnon, or was that the was that the guy in the story? I think Ag Agamemnon was the woman in Greek mythology. Um, Aphrodite is the goddess of, uh, right, of beauty. Of beauty, right? But I'm thinking of the the story. Mm -hmm. It's very similar, except for if Aphrodite was a wasp, because she stings. Um, so some of the parts of her an anathema is don't fall in love. <laughs> wow. It just okay. Like, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So her attributes are dexterity and charisma. That's totally a wasp, right? Because she's chaotic, you can heal or harm. Versatile. Uh, her uh, skill is deception. Go figure. And her favorite weapon is the whip for more pain. Ah. Hey, that's a free martial weapon from the flail tree. Uh, finesse, non-lethal, reach, and trip. Those are everything you need for inflicting pain, but not actually killing somebody. So you might be able to use that for your chaotic good character, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, added flavor. I mean, who needs that extra two to hit, right? Just swing with a minus two. It's, it's non-lethal. Get over it. This, uh, this goddess, I guess, is all over the place. I feel like... Um... You know how in history we often are left with these ancient texts that are like translated upon translated upon translated and when you read five ancient texts you get five different explanations of the events kind of deal with like different that all contradict each other. I feel like that's what we got with this goddess. I feel like there's like so many different uh, records of her and they're all contradicting and like... That's kind of point she's uh one of her domains is secrecy interesting <laughs> I, th I thought i noticed that too when i was doing some research on her and it's like I, as i said she's she likes contradictions so like the lady likes to keep her secrets she doesn't hmm. want anybody to uh you know really know what's going on well, all right they keep your secrets you keep your secrets so her her main domains are pain passion secrecy and trickery secrecy and trickery I mean, yeah. can we trust anything she says? So, she's like the master of wasps. She's known for the savored sting, which I talked about earlier. It's her title, and it's part of one of her domains under pain. Pain can get the savor the sting, which I really want to make a worshiper of Calistria so I can test out how good the savor of the sting is. Uh, it's one action. It's a touch. It's basically everything she's known for. It has a lot of lore built into the spell. So you know, here's the spell text. I'll just read it. You inflict pain upon the target and reveal, revel in their anguish. 
1d4 mental damage plus 1d4 persistent mental damage. The target must make a will save. As long as the target is making is taking persistent damage from the spell, you get a plus one status bonus to attack rolls and skill checks against that target. And if that doesn't make you want to run a harm-based evil cleric, some kind of torture straight out of Terry Goodkin's uh, Wizard's First Rule, I don't know what would. Yeah, I find it interesting. I mean, I really like that they associated the whole stinger uh, slash B thing with her. Um, I think it very much fits her, seemingly her personality, um, and her the way she operates. Um, what I find interesting though is that they they missed an opportunity to make her favorite weapon a dagger if she's a stinger, and or and create an artifact for her called the stinger or the sabered stinger or whatever. Um, though the whip fits so well with her as well, so I almost think they should have called her the sabered snake or something, and that would have been like kill two birds with one stone there and her whip could have been like a her artifact could have been like a whip that turns into a snake or something and bites bites i don't know something crazy like you're, that you're making me want to make artifacts for these <laughs> i'm actually surprised deities don't have artifacts and i mean like rules is written in this game like i feel like that's such a natural thing i, I mean, made quite a bit of uh for aristotle in my libra campaign for uh, different items, magic items, based off of the church that like they would have held in the relic. Yeah. I feel so. like these deities would have wielded artifacts, and they would have been passed down their, to their followers. Received boons from them that, you know, like, would have made their weapons, you know, more aligned mm -hmm. to their cause kind of thing. A church reliquary, like, gives out quest rewards for people who, you know, complete their religious, so to speak, quests. We should, uh, we should add that to our list of homebrew stuff. Yes, let's add that to the list of homebrew. Make some, uh, make some relics. Yeah. For the ladies. Uh, and uh, speaking of homebrew, uh, we do have Ratfink live on the website, so go check that out. Let us know if you have any issues with it in play. If you do decide to play with it, um, we'd love to hear feedback on it and see what y'all think. Shameless plug I'm over. Maybe let us know if you guys would like to hear about uh, John. Were you in that combat for Rat Fiend? Yes, I was actually. Uh, someday we'll have to talk about that uh, scary conflict. Yes, and all the things that led up to it. That was actually quite the dungeon in general. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, so finishing up uh, Calistria, she's got the passion domain, charming touch. I've already said my opinion on charming things. It's just. Uh, Play with the rules for friendly or more hostile, and it's a touch. Eh. Uh, secrecy domain has force quiet, and it sounds really really cool at first. Force quiet, you target, you uh, quiet the target's voice, and then I was like, oh, this is really bad. Thirty feet, two actions, and uh, yeah, I mean, it has great lore and flavor, but it's just really poor execution. I can't see a situation where quieting a target's voice? I mean, it literally says in the description they can still cast spells and do verbal components. It's like a... It's a, a roleplay thing, I guess. Right. It's got great lore and flavor, but I just can't see you using it in combat. I will say, I don't think I've seen a deity with a better, like a more perfect list of spells, like cleric spells than her. Like, every single one of them just fits perfectly with her 
with her domains and her, her spells. domains yeah. and her personality and everything about her. Like the uh, they are the so on point. Thing, oh man, that sudden shift. Sudden shift is it's worth it to get um, the trickery domain. I want to figure out what what other deities have trickery domain because for a rogue taking cleric and getting this domain focus is <laughs> so useful. You move. Uh, from a dangerous spot and then veil yourself. You step and become concealed. I mean, just wow. I yeah. love this. Concealed? Uh, every rogue wants to be concealed. Well, every rogue wants to be hidden, but concealed is definitely a boon. <laughs> it's an improvement for, for hiding. Yeah. Um, and you know, scale with you all the way to level 20 because it's it's a reaction. So, uh, not many... Uh, rogues do have some reactions, but clerics definitely, they don't have reactions. So this is great because it's that empty spot in the repertoire and you're filling it with the reaction. So for a cleric, this is super useful. Um, uh, it, I really liked the trickery domain. It's got the major spell Trickster's Twin, the only major one that I wanted to cover. A little strange and hard to read, but overall it seems useful in combat, so check that one out. So from her uh, divine tradition, you get additional spells, charm, third level you get enthrall, and sixth you get mislead. Charm is great if that's what you're trying to do. Uh, normally a cleric wouldn't have access to this spell, enthrall is just a more powerful charm. And mislead is kind of a two-in-one, both invisible and a moving illusion. It's a yeah, it's a deception spell. Um, I these are what I was talking about when I said like I've never seen a cleric or a deity with more perfect set of spells for who they are. Um, like charm and thrall, mislead, like those are her by the definition, right? Like those are perfect for her. Um, and I love, I love that they put a lot of thought into that. I, I didn't even know mislead was a spell <laughs> uh, until I read this list. I was like, this is a, a for a six level spell. It's not doing invisible well, and it's not doing a moving and illusion well. But for a six level spell, getting both. That's not bad, actually. Yeah. It's. Uh, I was kind of impressed with that. Um, but this would go really well with the uh, Trickster's Twin when combined. I mean, this is going to really increase your survivability. Uh, you'll probably just piss your GM off because they'll be like, "I don't. I'm not supposed to know where on the board you are because you're invisible and you've got a misleading, you know, doppelganger out there." It's part of the Fey Sorcerer by line. It's so perfect. Ooh. Yes. Yes, it is. Everybody who is in my games is like, no! <laughs> <laughs> so, finishing her off, um, uh, let's see here. It, it, there were some mentions to um, how some of her followers like to use the Sabred Sting. It gets... Uh, can be a little subtle, and other times it's a little uh, incontrovertible. She kind of grants that boon as like a path towards vengeance. So I really want to see uh, people who are like lore-wise, you moving in towards a person who doesn't maybe start off worshiping Calistria, but it does as they go on a path of revenge. And this is great for um, workers in that particular trade, um, or. Um, Entertainers, dancers, that kind of stuff, um, as a, like an empowering weapon. Somebody who doesn't have some means to attack this uh, savored sting seems to like 
be the central focus of her. Um, she's got some future reading for adding into your campaigns, the Book of Joy. Um, it's supposed to detail passions that are held sacred by the goddess of the unquenchable fire and her church. So I would like to see ahead. more, uh, like books, not not physical books like in the real world, but like in-game books that like Elder Scrolls putting down those books. Yeah, and all I would like to see more of that. I mean, that's something I try to do in my games. So I think it adds a you know very well layer of versatility. Um, but more books than all your games. It's a lot of work, so having it'd be nice if, like, I don't know, I would love to see a, a companion book, like, companion book in real life, that it's just a book of books. <laughs> I think Clary'd say, you know what I mean? Uh, that you could just, like, pick and choose and modify for whatever setting you have yourself. Um, yes, the Thief How To book in Skyrim is amazing. Oh, to be honest, all the Elder Scrolls books are really well done. I'm really impressed with the work the writers do there. Um, I had a question though, Jack. Uh, the what is the alignment requirement for the vengeance uh, based champion in Pathfinder? Uh, vengeance based champion. I think it's just good. Chat, if you know as well, free, feel free to help us out. I'm wondering if that champion can use this this deity so i feel like if not they missed a huge opportunity there and i can't imagine they would make such a grave mistake i don't know if uh let's see here vengeance vengeance is uh well you've got anti-paladin desecrator tyrant liberator Redeemer and I think it's Paladin. Redeemer is the one I'm thinking of. It's the one that's based on. That's mutual good. Okay. Which is not one of her follower alignments, which is interesting. Um, she's chaotic, so you could be chaotic good that's and true, uh, yeah. be a, a champion of Calistria. Elos is saying vengeance looks chaotic evil. If that's a case, it would fit as well. Okay, well, I'm just happy they didn't make that mistake because I feel like that's something I could count on Paizo for doing. I really feel like vengeance would be lawful evil. You know, like using the law to get your your. Oh revenge. come on! Who uses the law for vengeance? <laughs> right. Avenging the law uh, seems to be kind of. Uh, a trope almost. So yeah, uh, I think Calistria would be a super fun one in play. Um, especially if a lot of your... You know a lot of the enemies you're going to be encountering in your campaign are humanoid. Um, where Charm and Enthrall and Mislead and stuff could really really show their, show their power. Um, I think this would be really... Or I guess intelligent, not necessarily humanoid. But... Um, this could be very, very fun in those scenarios. Uh, and I, I kind of imagine like a arcane trickster cleric multi-class, which I think would be insanely fun to play. Um, so you got a bit of cleric, you got a bit of, uh, I think I think they use sorcerer or, or wizard in the arcane trickster, I can't remember, from the APG. Um, 
I think actually you can well, pick. If you're looking at the rogue racket, you can start off the Eldritch Caster. I believe you can choose your attribute and Yeah, you spell. choose your attribute. I think you choose, yeah. I think you're right. Um, so yeah, I, I think that would be a really cool combo for this, because you'd have Arcane or whatever spells, and you also have you know, your spells from your Cleric uh, dedication, and then you also have... Um, the roguey stuff like sneak attack and everything. I think that'd be which all of that together makes a very tricky individual, and I feel like that's kind yeah. of a really cool thing to play there. I would really like to see you play some spell casters in my games. That'd be great. Yeah. Nil has like, some spell casting, but it's all utility and isn't the spells I picked weren't haven't been super useful in a lot of situations. I need to retrain <laughs> at a magic weapon. Magic weapon's kind of useless now that we have magic weapons. Yes, Magic Weapon does get pushed to the wayside. Um, the shame is Magic Weapon doesn't have any kind of scaling or anything, yeah. but um, yeah, your uh, your spells should maybe lean more support, like cast them on other people in the game, other than you know just giving yourself more sustain. Yeah, right now, I mean, it, I have like invisibility and ghost sound and message. I think of the you don't get a whole lot until like level. 10-ish when you can take the next uh, um, the next feat in the sorcerer dedication and you unlock more spells there. I think I'm like at the max and I only have like one first level spell, one second level spell, one third level spell, and two or three cantrips? I can't remember what's off my head. So, I'm limited, but it's still fun. I mean, they've definitely some of them have come up. Ghost Sound, while Rules is Written doesn't have any real mechanical benefit to it, we I I like um, rolling it as uh, kind of like rolling into the deception checks for distract, uh, creative distraction or whatever, creative diversion, I think is the name of the skill action. Um, if, you know, in my games, if, if somebody did that, did that, I would probably give them like a plus two circumstance bonus to their next creative diversion action or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So things like I you can do you there. You did use it in. I did. Yeah, I used it in uh, the one against the Inevitables, I believe. But I I rolled really bad on it, if I remember correctly. So didn't actually work. But <laughs> story of my life. Um, when I'm a GM, I roll excellent. When I'm a player, I roll terribly. <laughs> <laughs> I roll terribly as a GM, and I seem to be rolling. I've been a forever GM for so long. When I do play in other people's games, I tend to roll quite well. I, I just not one all the time as a GM. Other uh, I mean, other than the last Sonra's last stand, you took typically roll pretty well in my games. So as a player, yeah, I didn't I didn't roll terribly at all during while I was playing Sonra. Yeah, <laughs> that was not that was not the case of bad rolls. Um, that was the uh, case of GM getting good rolls. <laughs> so the last uh, deity we wanted to cover was uh, Desna which she doesn't have a whole lot of lore on her but i think she's a really freaking cool deity and i wish and i really want to see more lore on her um so she's very much like the muse the muse goddess which i think uh is cool because she's also tied to the stars and i think there's like something beautiful about tying like art and stars together kind of like that um I'm gonna read a, an excerpt from from her. Yeah, the Muse from Outer Space. I'm gonna read. That'd be a great book name, by the way. If any authors are in here, <laughs> I 
Um, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, I'm gonna read an ex excerpt from her, her lore page. And it says, after surveying her artistry, she hung the brightest star high in the north and made it her home. Her first gift to mortals was, was this beacon of hope, a twinkling sign in the dark sky that they could turn to when lost or unsure of themselves. Desna provides safe passage through the darkness to all, should they choose to follow. Which, that, whoever wrote that, that is poetic as fuck. <laughs> and um, I think it, it really lends itself to how good Paizo is at tying things from our reality um, into the game in ways that fit both narratively, but then also making them work so well mechanically with the rest of the mechanics. I think they have a really, really good skill with that, a, a talent, I guess you could say, that a lot of other uh, RPG writers don't necessarily have. Um, so her edicts uh, include, um, you know, traveling, exploring new places, expressing yourself through art and song, find out what life has to offer. I mean. Other than that middle one, that's like adventuring in a nutshell, right? Like, any adventurer should have no problem filling those edicts. And if you're a bard adventurer, you're set. Um, I think with her favorite, uh, favorite weapon being a star knife um, and her divine skill being acrobatics, but yet being so muse-focused, um, I, I see her as a... So I haven't actually seen a picture of this goddess. Um, but in my mind, I envision her as a dancer class. That is a bard rogue combination where um, she's going to be up there, um, you know, in the front lines with with daggers and knives in this case, um, fighting with the other front melee fighters, but also using her her bardic uh, skills and her songs and dance to inspire her allies or enfeeble her enemies um, and this is actually very much um, let's see what is this you shared you oh like, you okay your very, form. I was like very much not a very much not a uh, dancer that I had in mind but I think if I put her into my game she very much would be that um, and yeah I think, I think that's a perfect like physical manifestation manifestation of this goddess and if she came down to Galarian and started to intervene with the mortals uh, day to days. Um, <laughs> Oops, we went back to Calistria. Was that? Uh, we went the we went back to Calistria on accident. Oh, whoops. Um, but yeah, other than her, her muse stuff, she's also the goddess. Uh, her domains also include dreams, luck, moon, travel, of course. Um, the dreams thing I think is really cool. Um, I love the idea of tying, you know, art and the stars and dreams all together. I think that's a really beautiful kind of combination. Um, and I, I think, think there's a lot you, know, you could do from a lore perspective. Fit. What was that? I think acrobats really does fit. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people doing, you know, uh, interpretive dance, sword dancers, uh, acrobats, you know, gymnasts, all of those things comes with the skill acrobatics. And a lot of them, you know, they need inspiration. This is why they want to muse in the first place. Yeah, and this is this is this is kind of why in my head canon I, I view her as a dancer type. 
Um, I feel like if she manifested physically on the mortal realm, then that's how she would look in my in my world. Dancing with the butterflies. Yep. That'd oh, that a... that's that'd be awesome. That'd be if we ever did an art piece of this of this goddess. I just imagine the starry sky, the butterflies in a pond. My dogs are going crazy. The butterflies like in like a pond environment at night with her just like dancing under the moonlight would be with daggers in hand would be like that's how I would have her drawn or illustrated. Favorite weapon? Oh, it's a star knife. It's like yeah. um, interestingly, her one of her alternative domains is the void, which I find interesting. Um, I don't see too much mentioned about death or wow, um, death or uh, you know the void, which is like Pathfinder's version of hell almost where the demons reside um so i i'm not sure i'm not sure where that comes from uh but yeah i'd really like to learn more about this this goddess so hell has devils um the abyss has demons yes you're right the, you're right. the avoid would be more for aberrations it's uh think like yog um i guess you could say cthulhu hastar um yeah. that makes sense yeah I mean, the Void is also where um, Phrasma resides with all of her psychopunk followers and everything. I, I, so. I didn't realize Phrasma... Does it say where she... Did you find Yeah, like, it her, says... It says she sits in her uh, gothic mansion, basically, in the Void, I believe it said. Let's see. Uh, yeah, maybe I read that on the wiki, wiki. I don't recall. It sounds like she, she provides new safe passage through the Void. Would you say that's like one of her tenants? Yes, she does do that. Um, but I believe I read she was in a like a gothic citadel at the center of the multiverse, which I believe is the void. And I could be wrong there. Um, but regardless, uh, I don't, I don't know why the void is under her domain. Um, so there's got to be something there I'm missing. It. Was... She she guides you through it with the travels. No, so no, not for asthma. I'm talking about uh, Desna. Yeah, Desna is supposed to guide you through those kind of things. She's she's no, got no, no. the travel to guide you through the void. Are yeah. you sure? Mm, I didn't. She's no. for interstellar travel, so she's like the only benign creature from the void. Okay, um, I missed that in my research but if that's true that's that makes sense why she would have the void as her alternate domain then um chat light us up let us know if you have any any knowledge to throw down there um i think uh, one of you played with desna in your games she's from the stars in the big dipper i don't know if he's being facetious <laughs> there or if he's being honest <laughs> well, you mentioned the the North Star, so I think that they're playing she, on. Uh, she North is definitely, Star. yeah, yeah. She definitely created the North Star and created her home there, but I don't know if she currently resides there. Well, the stars is part of the void. Void is synonymous for space, so it kind of all ties in together. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm no expert in Galarian lore. I typically homebrew most of my stuff, so um, that's good to know. Well, I mean, it looks like a lot of it comes straight from 3.5's uh, 
basically the how the planes kind of sit between the astral plane and the material plane and all of the elemental planes. Mm -hmm. um, there's very little difference between 5th edition and uh, Pathfinder 2 in that regards. It's just kind of like layout. Um, like 5th edition has, I think, the shadow fell or shadow plane like kind of like took over some stuff so there are some subtle differences but like the base layout hasn't changed yeah. much yeah i mean from what i understand the uh 2e focuses more on the inner sea region of galarian whereas 3.5 focused on other regions but i'm not i'm not a 3.5 player so i could be entirely wrong there as well oh yeah 3.5 had well, it was around for so long. Yeah. I had plenty of time to go across all the regions. Uh, fifth edition is slowly doing that as well. Uh, you know, we kind of think of Swords Coast as kind of like where it all happens, uh, especially when they released games like Path of uh, was it Mines of Endelver, which is just inland of the Swords Coast. Um, so a lot of their their Dragon Heist, you know, takes place in just regions that are super near that, that all that area. Well, yeah, I mean, the Sword Coast was their their primary. Uh... Uh, region of Faerun that they're focused mm -hmm. on. Um, that's why they released one of their first companion books was the Sword Coast Adventure Guide, which expanded exactly. on that lore and added new stuff. So yeah, it's like Sword Coast, Sea of Inner Sea of Galerion. Mm. They're like, <laughs> I see them so similar. Yep. So cool. Um, I guess what, last few minutes we can finish her up. Uh, yeah, so we mentioned our domains are dreams, luck, moon, and travel. Alternate domains are Star and Void. Um, her cleric spells are interesting. I really like Dreaming Potential. I think that's a really cool one, and it fits her aesthetic. Sleep also fits her aesthetic. Fly, on the other hand, I guess because she resides in the stars and she has butterfly wings, that's why they gave you Fly. I don't really know, but I mean, it's kind of like tangentially thematic, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I feel like they could have gotten a little more creative on that one. Travel, yeah, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> but I still feel like it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it feels like a stretch to me. Um, I don't know if there's like, a, I don't know if in Pathfinder 2e there's the equivalent of 5e's Fine Steed. Um, she's the goddess of Red Bull. It gives you wings. But I feel like something like equivalent to like fine steed would be a, a better a better fit. Get horse. <laughs> Man, Elos is just full of jokes today. <laughs> Get along, little doggy. Now now this is Desna, not Calistra. <laughs> Desna doesn't have a whip. <laughs> I'm making Calistria's whip. Making it, it's happening. So you guys don't want it, I'm giving it to you anyways. So yeah, um, we're running up on time. Um, we're almost done, I think, with the, the deities, right? I think there's only a few more left in the inner sea region in specific. I think we have a bit more to go. Uh, if we keep doing four at a time, I think we have at least two more videos of this to cover all the inner sea gods. I want to say at least two. Okay. Well, let us know if these kinds of videos are of interest to you. If you're, they're not, then you know we'll come up with some better stuff to do. But we do have some other stuff planned for the following weeks. Um, you want to let them know what our, our schedule is? I know we haven't posted it on the calendar yet, but I know we've determined, we've picked them out and everything. Okay. We've got 
12 more uh, deities to cover for the inner sea so three, region. three more. Um, let's see. We have not uploaded to the calendar, so let me find those dates. So next video would be uh, June 27th. We're going to try to pump something out uh, Father's Day weekend that's coming up. So we won't be doing a stream, but we will be pumping out some uh, extra stuff for you guys. It'll be on the yeah. website. It'll be on the Discord. It'll be on our Reddit. Um, so the 27th, we'll be covering favored uh, archetypes. We've already got the script ready for that. Uh, John, I'm assuming you haven't had a chance to pick your, your no, archetypes I've got, yet. I've got those. All right. Archetypes are like my favorite thing in Pathfinder, so nice. I could talk for days on those. Uh, hopefully we didn't choose the same ones. <laughs> um, well, I have a bunch, so if we did, I'm more than happy to pick other ones. <laughs> I, I usually choose magic and you usually choose yeah. martial. We, we, cover, we cover everything evenly. So July 11th, we're looking to cover history of tabletop RPGs. We had talked about um, branching out. We do love Pathfinder, but we're not married to just one uh, tabletop setting. Uh, following July 18th, what kind of GM are you? And July 25th, problem players. So we've got a very wide variety of topics to cover in the next uh, next month coming for you guys. Not to mention, we'll be pumping out more homebrew monsters, and uh, we're finishing up an archetype. Yeah, uh, speaking of dancer, I'm working on a dancer archetype that is going to be similar to like uh, a bard slash rogue combination, but not require either of those. So it's very much... Um, a little bit juggler, a little bit assassin. Yeah. I mean, it's its own archetype, but yeah. to get you an idea of... It's... Uh, the idea is that you provide support to your allies and enfeeble your enemies using various dances um, for focus spells so it'll be it'll be kind of neat I think um, it's something I've really wanted uh, and ever since Jack uh, built a dancer flavored bard in one of our games I thought it was a really really neat idea and especially after he took the more roguish direction with it I thought you know what I like this and I think I want to make it something more concrete uh, more mechanic focused so uh, yeah, hopefully have that out soon. I already started the, getting the artwork together for it, so we have that being worked on while I work on the mechanics. So we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully the artist pulls through. He did a great job on Ratfink, so I'm hoping he can pull through again on this one. Um, Let us know what you think of the art for Ratfink. Uh, yeah. That artist put a lot of work into it. Uh, I had a lot of uh, changes of direction, so kind of put them through the ringer. They did such a good job. And as usual, if you guys have suggestions or wants for when you want us to see uh, us do streams on or videos on or whatever feel free to submit them on Twitter or Mastodon or Instagram or wherever you feel fit uh, see fit and we'll try to add those on hit us up on Discord, Reddit uh, Twitter yes we did launch a Discord too um, I think we mentioned it at the beginning perhaps I can't remember if we did or not um, but we'll have the link to, the invite link in the description um, it's also on the website if you need it, but yeah, we're it's still small right now as usual, so uh, we will hopefully continue to grow and get more and more of you in here.
right, guys. Thanks for coming. Did you have anything else, Jack? Uh, it's, uh, just thanking everybody for showing up today. We All guys, right. uh, you guys, and uh, the following week. Yeah, sorry, we're kind of sporadic on schedule. This this uh, last couple months and come, upcoming couple months are kind of hectic with us. Um, so Moving, yeah, the, yeah, move, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're trying to get on a more consistent schedule. Hopefully, once things calm down between us, um, we'll be able to start pushing out weekly for real. Um, so yeah. So until next time, happy gaming. <laughs>